Welcome to the Seamless Podcast. We interview world-class industry leaders about innovation within the commercialization arena. We engage with entrepreneurs and global enterprises about the vast world of technology and how it collides with the Midwest's deeply rooted manufacturing industries. Whether you are an entrepreneur or a corporate executive, our objective is to take you on an exploration of the commercialization landscape that is responding to the change in both the physical and the digital worlds. Each series will speak with our coalition of global companies and sponsor partners, as well as the startups and companies participating in the Seamless Commercialization Program, all working together to bring innovative products to market. Join us as we take a closer look into the smart home, connected healthcare, workplace innovation, manufacturing, connected automotive, and the retail markets. Hello, welcome to the Seamless Podcast. Uh, Here today, uh, we are joined by uh, Mike Morin, who is the director of the Seamless Program. Hello. Hey, Mike. Good to see you again. Good to see you, Brad. And we're also here with Peter DeLuca, who is the Senior Vice President of Client Services with Sentience. Hi. Welcome, Peter. Thank you. This is your first time in Michigan. This is my first time in Michigan, yes. Uh, I I, I don't like to admit that, but, uh, you know, as I was planning this trip, I was like, God, I've, I've never been to Michigan. So very excited to be here and very excited to meet the team. For those not listening in a nonlinear pattern, you're here on a, on a bleak January afternoon. Yes. And I'm, yeah. I'm sorry, I don't think you're seeing our best side there. No, that's okay. Weather in New York, uh, where I'm from, was uh, pretty miserable when I when I left. So. Okay, well, there's this misery actually, to go around then. This is actually a step up, so I'm kind of... <laughs> Fantastic. So, um, Peter, Sentience, your company, has uh, joined the Seamless group and uh, you're, you're, you've joined and you've come into the program and um, and we're excited to have you and tell us a little bit about Sentience, what you're doing and, and what you're working on. Sure. Uh, so Sentience uh, at its core is a, a data science company. Um, it's a, a two plus year old uh, startup, if you will. Um, majority of our, our folks are data engineers, data scientists, and uh, just recently what we've started doing is developing out the commercial side. We just started up a New York office and we're excited to uh, uh, to, 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 to do that. Um, but at its core, we're a data science company and we focus on um, primarily uh, analyzing, collecting and analyzing low-level sensor data from smart objects, um, smartphones, mm-hmm. uh, wearables, uh, IoT devices. Uh, we collect this data uh, and we find meaning in it. Uh, so you know, we know that uh, many different companies have tons and tons of data out there, uh, but where our special sauce really lies is uh, the algorithms behind it, and really finding those uh, contextualized moments from that uh, from that low-level sensor data, so a brand can use that to better understand their consumers, their consumer behavior, uh, engage with them in very unique and precise, personalized ways, uh, and interestingly, develop uh, products and services around that, especially. Uh, and I think in the IoT space, where they're looking at uh, our platform and our technology and algorithms to figure out what does this mean for our business and how can we start kind of rethinking and reshaping um, some of our uh, products and services. That's very cool. Um, it, it seems like there's you've got such a it's a back end technology, as it as it were. It's a is it is it have a consumer facing application? Do you see? It, it's a that's a great question. We we are uh, as I said primarily a data science company, so we work in very uh, granular data. Uh, we, we don't uh, today have a, a, a client-facing uh, uh, platform or, 
or app. Mm-hmm. Um, we do, however, integrate with uh, you know marketing software, CRM systems, marketing automation, sure. push platforms uh, from an engagement perspective. But uh, think about us as you know the the uh, kind of analysts behind it all who are finding meaning, who sure. can work with those platforms so that a marketer can engage uh, mm-hmm. w- with someone through their their platforms. And we can. Yeah, we're very flexible in terms of um, you know uh, API development sure. and uh, uh, and working with our clients to integrate. How did you learn about the Seamless program? Uh, really, I, I've been at uh, just a little bit of, about me. I've been with uh, uh, Sentience for about a month. And oh wow! The the first week I was there, uh, people were talking about Seamless and some of the early conversations that uh, we were having. Mm-hmm. And the more I dug into it, the more I realized that there were a variety of really interesting uh, and, at first blush, not necessarily connected brands, but the more I kind of dug into it and started talking with the the folks at Seamless, there was a common thread um, between these different brands. So we we quickly came up with the idea to have this workshop uh, where we would start talking about some of the challenges, but also some of the ways that these different brands supported by Seamless can become more integrated, uh, with sentience being a small part mm-hmm. of uh, mm-hmm. of that, analyzing the data and providing meaning and getting brand advocacy perhaps from one brand to another. Cool. Mike, that I think it opens up for a comment from you. When you look at sentience and you look at this kind of cross-industry data analysis and really the, the, that mission of Seamless to find that common thread, mm-hmm. it, it seems like a technology like this can really bring that to the surface better than anything else. Uh, totally. We're, we're super excited about this engagement, you know. So as we, you know, continue to have this conversation about the line between digital and physical going away, and, you know, some of the first step in that is we're, we're finding things, things giving off data that never gave off data before, whether that's a desk, a chair, a refrigerator, a mm-hmm. retail outlet, a, you know, medical device. You know, so there's this, there's this huge body of data being created, that was kind of phase one. So we've been kind of chomping at the bit to engage with somebody like Sentience to say, okay, we, we've got this data, but but now what? You know, it's it's overwhelming, mm-hmm. frankly, and um, and the and the type of uh, you know the type of technology they have to be able to sort through this data um, and provide meaning to it is 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 great. You know, we've looked at I don't know, we've probably looked at twenty or thirty companies in their space wow. and, and really felt like this was the one. Um, that was a good fit for what we're doing, partly because of this perspective um, that you're hearing from from Peter. You know, one, you know, one of our our premise is that for all of our industry partners, some of their greatest strategic gains don't lie in competing head up against their other people participating in that vertical, but their ability from a customer perspective to partner together along these kind of red threads that we think of like their health their finances, their relationships, right? And we talk about, you know, consumers have spoken and unspoken aspirations in all of these areas. And the consumer's trying to achieve it, but there are brands and companies that are trying to help those customers enable these aspirations. And that's what we see this data doing, right? Similar to what a Fitbit does in the health space, there's just numerous other untapped areas um, that we think technologies like sentience can can help consumers and brands, um, you know, achieve kind of a a more ideal outcome. I I don't know. You won't remember it, but there was a conversation you and I had, Mike, years ago. This was probably five years ago, and I had my little Nike thing that attached went into my shoe, mm-hmm. and you'd made it kind of like, yep, add more data points. 
uh, you get more, you get more better data, and that was in particular with health and fitness and, and whatnot. So you add your Fitbit on your watch, your the thing in your shoe, uh, your phone, and now you have this kind of a much more detailed mm-hmm. spectrum mm-hmm. of what's going on. Peter, I can just bounce this back to you. When you look at the number of data points, mm-hmm. what does that look like? Is it infinite? Does it when you add a desk and a car and a phone and a Fitbit, yeah. what does that do to the data? Well, how does that change? Well, I, I think it's a, it, it's a great point. I mean, it, and it gets back to, you know, I think Internet of Things, right? Internet of Things typically is about these disparate things. Uh, what, what we say, not only us, but the, the industry in general, is it should be more about the industry of you, right? Uh, exactly. How do you connect these disparate uh, siloed things, which at first blush are uh, cool and fancy and uh, you know everyone's excited about them but ultimately they become um, quite uh, uh, quite siloed and quite kind of uh, um, uh, you know um, uh, not necessarily used as much as they could if there was further uh, meaning behind it and further connectivity behind it so our goal as a company is to again I was talking about you know smartphones it's not just smartphones that's where we typically start but it's where can we pull in data from all these disparate things and really attach it to the consumer uh, to get much more context and much more uh, deeper learnings uh, about that consumer. And the point about brands coming together, that's exactly it. Disparate things sometimes are created by disparate brands, Mm -hmm. but as we start pulling the data together, how can those brands start working together as well to focus on the category that you were saying, uh, Mike, is, uh, is wellness or health. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a perfect example of someone's daily routine, all the things they do, all the whether it's biometrics that uh, we can track, whether it's their behavior, their activity level that we can track from a mobile device. Um, all of those things together uh, paint such a uh, better picture of who that person is. How do brands work together to figure out the storyline? Uh, and then how can you know sentience obviously support the seamless brands that are, are doing that from a strategic standpoint? With with some of this data, I mean, health is a very obvious. Uh, marketing is very obvious. Are there some unknowns that maybe most uh, aren't thinking about? Is there is there data usage that yeah, I mean, we're not seeing that? Well, I mean, if for us, insurance is is a huge uh, target. Right? So it's it's. You know, not necessarily looking at consumer data from a, uh, a marketing or an engagement perspective, right? It's around creating new products where um, usage-based insurance, for instance, is a big uh, target and, and category for us. Does that take away, I'm sorry, the, uh, the, uh, the actuaries and the wizardry that's behind no, it, nonsense? No, I, I, I think it supports them. Yeah, it gives it, them new insights. It gives them, yeah. no, exactly. It, it gives them new insights. And from a consumer's perspective, which is interesting, is we can say... We're going to track you, but that's okay because you're going to benefit in the long mm-hmm. term from a, a UBI perspective. Uh, their rates could be lower if they exhibit good behavior. Uh, there's no uh, communication necessarily. It's sure. just, you know, hey, I'm going to uh, let them track me. I'm going to let them track how I drive, mm-hmm. uh, my daily routine, uh, whatever that might be. They benefit the um, obviously, the insurance company benefits because it becomes a much more uh, attractive offer to the consumer, and it's a new product category that they can go into. Um, so I, th- I think there's a whole range of things that we can do there, that uh, and we are we are focused on that category quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, Brian, another one that I that I think not everybody thinks of, and you know, because the entity that that supports Seamless Start Garden also runs what's called the Smart Zone for the City of Grand Rapids. 
And, and this, this plays massively into city and community planning because, mm-hmm. you know, there's all these smart and healthy city initiatives, but smart and healthy for who? For what? Right. And the more we can understand how the people that are living in our communities are living, what they're doing, what their goals, what their aspirations, you know, all of those things again, the better the city can talk about how to deploy the asset that it has. You know, where do we put bike paths? Where do we put roads? Where do parks go? What, you know, where's, where is air quality not what it should be? Where should we plant more trees? I mean, there's really, a, it's kind of endless, um, the, you know, the, the types of things that you can approach with this with yeah. this data. It's almost like that example. If you've ever gone to a college campus and they build a new building, they don't put sidewalks down. They wait for people to trample the grass to figure out what the behaviors are first. Yeah. That's where they put the, the, the sidewalk that, that, in. That, that's the yeah. actual uh, experience. A little practical there, but yeah. yeah it's right, and, and that's what they're doing. I mean, these are they're seeing those digital sidewalks before, uh, you know, before, you know, the patterns emerge or allowing you to not necessarily, as you say, do anything until you've got some information on that stuff. That's very cool. We're talking about uh, AI and uh, define that as as you want to. Uh, machine learning, deep learning. How does sentience define that? How do you how do you look at that, Peter? Yeah, I mean, it, for us, it's it's really all about you know looking at those events, that event level data, and finding meaning in it and finding patterns. Uh, so you know, from our standpoint, um, everything is about finding the pattern um, and being able to predict what is going to happen next. Um, I, I think what from a brand's perspective. The more that they understand about um, not just aggregate patterns of what this segment might do and this segment might do, uh, but understanding the individual patterns that a specific person exhibits um, and being able to, again, shape either a communication strategy, offers, products around those patterns, um, just gives that so much more validity to, to do that as opposed to panels and research and, and, and so on. It complements mm-hmm. that in, in, in a great way. Beyond the patterns that we're able to create, and we're constantly looking at the data and constantly updating our algorithms and updating the models to do that, um, an important uh, aspect of that is also finding and being able to detect the the anomalies uh, where we've seen a pattern build over time, but all of a sudden we see an anomaly, something that is out of the ordinary for this specific consumer. Mm -hmm. From a brand's perspective, what does that mean from an engagement perspective, a content perspective? from a actuarial perspective. Mm-hmm. How do we continue to refine those patterns and also look for those interesting kind of blips in the radar mm-hmm. so we can, again, uh, address them, uh, what we call in the moment, right? So, you, so look at, you look at those behaviors and you build those routines and then you do, do you basically see uh, anomalies as opportunities or just maybe they're called call distractions by another term. Do you see those as opportunities to really kind of not pounce, but kind of connect yeah. in a way. Uh, uh, it's, a, it's a great question, and I think it's up for interpretation. Sure. I, I think depending on what that uh, anomaly is, um, it could be a fantastic moment to get in front of a consumer, or it could be meaningless. Um, mm-hmm. But I think from a brand's perspective, figuring out um, what that meaning might be, and you can even start preparing to address uh, those anomalies as they occur, meaning start thinking about what would I do if this um, uh, deviation from the norm occurs? Am I prepared to get in front of that person, again, with a piece of a a content or an offer that might be relevant right in the moment? Right. So, so Brian, to make this a little tangible, so as part of this experiment before Sentience came in, uh, a beta group of us were running kind of a background piece of software where it was collecting data on us. 
Oh, really? Yeah. And, and sentient, the Sentient software was very quickly able to figure out where I live, where I work, what my normal commute is, um, that I eat out too much, <laughs> that I work out. Wait a minute, I could have told that you I, that. That I, work, that I work out not enough. Now, now in all fairness, we, 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 it was one big anomaly because we were doing this during the holidays. But it was, it was really, and that's with me providing it no input or cues. It was just tracking and understanding from map data and different contextual stuff. It could, it could discern these things and, and, and you know, not fine, but, but really quickly start to get me into kind of a general category, um, you know, related to some different things. So that's doing that passively. That it's is it running an, the, an app or how, how does that connecting into all of these? Yeah. Is it just you're giving it permission to on your phone in this instance? Yeah, yeah. so uh, the, the way it would typically work is a brand has their mobile app. We embed our technology, our SDK, into that brand's app. Mm-hmm. Um, if there are permissions to be done from a background tracking standpoint, the user would simply see that uh, notification. They sure. would allow or not allow sure. background tracking. Um, a lot of brands are, are moving to having background tracking just to understand uh, again, more uh, uh, more contextually, what is going on and understanding the behaviors of the consumers. But our technology is embedded with a consumer's or a, a brand's app. Uh, the data comes to us. Um, you know, a, a, as he was saying, you know, we'll start tracking that data. You know, immediately we won't necessarily see the patterns, but over time patterns will start to emerge. We'll sure. see that, you know, because, um, you know, you're at this house, um, you know, seven days a week and you seem to spend 10 hours a day there, uh, we'll recognize that that house is in fact a home. Mm-hmm. And then we'll recognize that five days a week you go to this office building, um, but you go there so frequently that uh, essentially allows us to infer that that is your place of work. Sure. From point A to point B, that is your mom- your uh, morning commute. That's the moment. And then within those um, uh, uh, periods, we can start to look for those anomalies and kind of prepare for those things that might be uh, uh, chances for a brand to get in front of a customer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for instance, if, if Mike wakes up every morning, we see the pattern emerge, and he walks out of his house and he goes by making this up, a Starbucks restaurant, mm-hmm. um, look at first party data from the Starbucks perspective, uh, marry that with the behavioral data, and what are the ways that we can recognize that behavior, anticipate something's going to happen because of the patterns, and then get in front of him with some sort of compelling offer to drive him into the, sure. the Starbucks store. Mike, when, when you had this running, how did that feel when you were, I guess, was it, it, maybe you didn't notice it and then there was this reveal at the end of the month? No, I, I mean, I was watching it. I mean, okay. I'm a, I, I don't count. I'm a total data geek. I mean, maybe maybe I do. But <laughs> no, I, fo- I found it very interesting. Uh, you know, um, so I know, uh, you, you know, so for instance, I know... Um, you know, how, how often I go to work and all of that kind of stuff. But when you start thinking about, about goals and aspirations, so, uh, you know, I, I personally like to be really engaged in my kid's life and make it to sporting events and do that stuff. So all of a sudden really being able to quantify and realize how much time I'm spending at work versus how much time I'm spending at home, and you start to see these patterns in allocation of the resources that I have. You know, you start thinking, you know, your two most scarce resources are your dollars and your time. And you have notions of how you're allocating those, mm-hmm. just like for a person on a diet. They think they know how many calories they eat, and they right. think they know how many they exercise, but you know, study after study says you're not even close. Mm-hmm. And so those pieces of micro-information that can intercept you at a point of action, mm-hmm. 
to deviate your behavior, that's how behavior change happens. It sure. doesn't happen from a New Year's resolution that says I'm going to lose weight. It's mm-hmm. it's the micro interaction of sitting down and saying, am I going to have the salad or am I going to have the burger? Right. And you look down and you realize that your net calories for the day aren't heading in a good direction, right? And you, and you make those decisions. And this is where this understanding what's going on and, in, and intercepting the person at a moment when they're receptive to new insights or, you know, or knowledge mm-hmm. is super powerful. Yeah. It, it's powerful in, in two senses, like powerful for the individual, powerful for the marketer or the, the, the end data acquirer. Um, how do we manage privacy in this? I think that's such a huge kind of yeah. unknown for so many. No, it's, it's, it's a great point. We think about that all the time. From a sentience point of view, we uh, collect, uh, we don't collect any PII data mm-hmm. um, at all. Um, so everything we collect is strictly based on the, the sensor data. We have a, a, a unique ID, which is uh, anonymous uh, to us. We don't sell any data, but from a brand's perspective, they'll use the data and insights that we collect on the in, internally, they'll match it with their first-party data, and they'll use it as part of their engagement programs. Um, but it, 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 you know, from brand to brand, it, it's definitely um, mm-hmm. uh, an important discussion and uh, one that we're actively involved in. Um, but um, you know, it, it's really I think up to the brand to figure out with this rich data that we're collecting on these individuals, um, how do we make sure that um, you know we're not being obtrusive, mm-hmm. we're not being uh, you know big brotherish. It's critically important to find those right moments to actually engage, which makes, again, back to the IOU, makes the individual, uh, you know, feel like they're kind of in control, and that that's critical. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have the Starbucks app, and it knows when I'm in proximity to the Starbucks, and, it, and it, I'm willing to bet the next thing is going to say, hey... You're, you're at the Starbucks that you go to pretty frequently. Wouldn't you like a, a, a Cafe Miel right now? And they're like, yeah, how about, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. to, if I'm accepting of that, if I proactively put that into my life, it seems like I'm going to be okay with handing over some of that information. Um, I, I think so. I think what one of the things that's interesting to me about this is I feel like, uh, and you know, you come from the you, you know the agency marketing CRM mm-hmm. business intelligence world, and I think you know, frankly, businesses have had just a significant advantage for a long time in the amount of information they have versus what the consumer has, and I think that's why it was so interesting to me mm-hmm. to that all of a sudden as this starts to be shared. And it's about getting an alignment between what the consumer is trying to do and what the brand has to offer. So that's great that they're offering you that Cafe Miel that's 440 calories. (laughs) But how does that align with... You know, who knows? You know, if, if, if you were if you were diagnosed as a type two diabetic right. and Priority Health is trying trying to work with you on that, how does it align with your overall? And I think that's the thing is you're you're taking these segmented, siloed moments and bringing them into context of a broader base of your life and the things you're trying to do, and that's mm-hmm. where the power is, as opposed to all these little you know kind of fragmented pieces. And this is what an engine like this can help accomplish. So, Mike, when you look at um, in, it's not appropriate, but look at it as the the coalition, the seamless coalition, mm-hmm. um, in in that collaborative environment where you have basically disparate industries coming together in some capacity to say, mm-hmm. okay, well, we can impact this and this and this, and suddenly you have that unification. I mean, we're, can you 
Can you touch on some of the practical practical applications that maybe could come out of this? Well, the ones that I think that I think are the easiest for people to grasp, and Peter was going there. So if you think about wellness and health, yeah, and think of, across the seamless consortium, you know, you have Amway who has been working for fifty years in helping people improve their health through products and services. You have Spectrum Priority Health. That one's obvious. They're trying to keep healthcare costs down. You have Meyer stores. Pharmacy is a huge part of their business, and you buy all your groceries there, which is really tied to your health. Sure. You have Steelcase, who's providing environments uh, for companies that are trying to improve the performance of their workers. Health, health place work, you know, or workplace health uh, is is super super important, right? And then for Sea Automotive. Um, you know, we spend a lot of times in transit. How we how we work in cars is going to change dramatically over the next stretch here. Uh, you know, they always joke that the, that the automotive seat is the world's largest wearable, right? So imagine if every day when you get in your car, it's taking a baseline of all your vital signs, right. as opposed to going to the doctor twice a year and getting those. Every single day, you're getting a baseline. So you talk mm-hmm. about anomalies. Yeah. If I know what my norm is. Then I have the ability with my health to say, hey, you know, your your heart rate's been running a little higher for the last three days than it normally is, right? Mm-hmm. So, the, so everybody, you know, health, health, finances, uh, you know, uh, commerce, relationships, it's happening everywhere all the time. And so any context that we're spending time in has to be thinking about how they're participating in helping that person achieve that goal. And so anything like this that foundationally can span markets and contexts is, is a part of that. And this is exactly why we put Seamless together, because this, this is how we believe this is going to play out. What, what's unique from my perspective um, is having that ligament of, of Seamless uh, already exist. So, you know, talking to uh, the, the six, seven different brands, <clears throat> you know, doing that without a Seamless, in, in my perspective, would be a massive uphill batter, sure. battle, trying to create those partnerships initially, trying to make the case for why it matters. Uh, having Seamless as the conduit to start piecing together that, you know, uh, higher level kind of wellness uh, story um, is is critical. And then we can kind of zero in and find little projects to start and then build from there to bring more brands into it is why, frankly, I'm I'm here and why I'm excited about it. That's fantastic. Well, I, I, I would... I think we should end on that note, as a matter of fact. Um, so thank you very much, Peter, for joining us today. Thank you, Mike. Sure, thanks for and, having uh, me. We'll, we'll make sure uh, to, to have you back in, or at least keep the audience up to speed on your progress and, and how things are going with the Seamless uh, program. And uh, for everyone else, we look forward to having you back on the Seamless podcast and uh, hope you have a wonderful week.